The hunt begins for the next Astros manager. Who's in, who's out, and who's making the decisions? It's episode 48 of Stone Cold Strohs, and it starts right now. That's a lot shorter. Welcome into Stone Cold Strohs. I'm Brandon Strange. I'm joined by Charlie Palillo and Josh Jordan. Follow them on Twitter, X, at Palillo, at Josh Jordan 975 Just a reminder, the three of us host a Texans podcast called Texans on Tap. We would love it if you followed us on those channels as well. Before we get started, Charlie, I just wanted to thank everybody who made it out to tailgate last week. Wow, that was a great event. Delicious food. Great drinks, great turnout, and apparently just in time because now the weather's all cold and wet. Charlie, it is episode 48. Which Astros player who wore the number 48 are you thinking of this week? Gets tougher and tougher with these higher numbers. Maybe we make it through 52. Speaking of big events, celebrate a full year of Stone Cold Strohs, and then we, we cap assigning the numbers because we don't want to really go with the unworthy. But we have one for number 48, uh, the late pitcher, Vern Rule, 1980 Astros, the first Astros team that ever made the postseason. Well, they took a gut shot uh, midway in the year. J.R. Richard with the stroke that ended his career, obviously altered the rest of his life. Uh, so the Astros had a tremendous void added to their starting rotation. Vern Rule was the guy who largely filled that. He was spectacular after the All-Star break, made 15 starts, an ERA of 2.03. Five of his last six starts of that regular season, complete game wins. And the Astros made the playoffs in game 163, a one-game playoff. He started game four of the National League Championship Series, pitched well, bullpen gave it up. Astros lost that game in extra innings, lost game five in extra innings, almost making their first World Series. Well, had to wait another quarter century to finally get there. But Vern Rule in 1980, he was a stud filling in for gigantic shoes to fill in J.R. Richards. Thank you, Charlie. So it is the fall. Do you know where your manager's at? Because the Astros do not. The hunt for their next manager begins as Dusty Baker resigns, leaves, retires. I don't know what you want to call that. We got the revelation from Brian McTaggart that Jim Crane and Jeff Bagwell, along with Dana Brown, would be hitting the manager search. It sounds like Crane and Bagwell are taking on a baseball ops role in this organization. Before we get into candidates, do you think this sounds like a healthy setup for the Astros to operate on this level? Well, if we hearken back to how offseason 2022-23 worked out, I suppose the initial answer would be no, not really. Um, and the name of Jeff Bagwell is burrowed in both of Jim Crane's ears. Is it still Jeff in one and is Reggie Jackson still in the other? Uh, but that would augur very well for Brad Osmus's chances of, of getting the job. And I'm not saying that Brad Osmus would be a terrible managerial hire, but there would be a, a smell component to it that, boy, Jeff Bagwell is really with a lot of clout. Osmus was his bestie back in their playing days together. And I just don't think that Jeff Beckwell, day in, day out, is engaged enough that he should have, not the final vote, that'll be Jim Crane, but the second biggest vote in the room on this. I don't think we should be passing the hat or uh, scheduling a pity party for Dana Brown, but boy, you know, okay, he's general manager, right? He should not have Jeff Luno's clout. He doesn't have Jeff Luno's accomplishment. So he's not president of all baseball operations. But it is putting Dana Brown in kind of an awkward spot if he's tangentially 
involved in the managerial hire. Uh, I'll speak specifically in detail uh, a little bit more here to, to Osmus as we open it up. Um, didn't distinguish himself in two jobs with the Detroit Tigers, had winning season, losing season, winning season, losing season, got fired. A couple of years later, one year with the Angels, one of Mike Trout's MVP winning seasons, had Shohei Otani the hitter for about two-thirds of the season and lost 90 games. But the pitching staff was brutal. I included this in the in the column the other day. They had eight different starting pitchers make at least 10 starts. The best of them had an ERA of 451. They had a couple of guys over six. So unless that's held against Osmus as a brilliant mind of a catcher, does this remind you of anyone? That he just masters all things pitching from behind the plate. If that didn't translate into the dugout, we're going to hold it against Osmus that the pitching staff was a joke. But I do think it would be an uninspired hire. The buddy system can work out, but it would not be a guiding principle of mine in hiring the next Astros manager. It's just not a good look, you know, with the buddy system thing that Charlie talked about and with him being the, the runner up to being the GM last year. And now we're already hearing that he's a front runner for the manager role this year. It's, it's just not a great look, especially if you're an Astros fan. It, it's going to ruffle some feathers. And if you want somebody that really works great with pitchers, why did you let Brent Strom leave? I was watching an interview with him on the set with, with some of the guys post game, and he talked about how they changed some things up against Philadelphia midway through the series. They kind of did some self-scouting and realized they weren't pitching inside nearly enough. And they made that change and that changed things for them and the outcome of that series. So just letting Brent Strom get away. I think getting rid of James click was a mistake. So I just, but you know, Jim Crane has made some good moves. The Dusty Baker hiring at the time that really worked out. Jeff Luno hiring that obviously worked out. So Crane's had some hits, but I think he's also had some misses. So, you know, you hired Dana Brown. I'd, I'd like to see what he thinks and, and who he would recommend, even if it is somebody from the Brave staff or somebody he's familiar with otherwise. I just, I like the idea of listening to your GM. I, I want more analytics. I know the Astros, they say they're not getting away from analytics, but you want to make sure you have a manager that, that agrees with that and really means it. Doesn't just say it as lip service, that they really believe in the numbers because that's what has built this Astros team. If the GM is not integrally, involved in the hiring of the manager, he's not the general manager. I mean, remake his title, director of minor league operations, player development, scouting, and he'll propose some trades, but Bagwell and Osmus and Jim Crane will really be able to play a trump card anytime they want. Uh, again, Dana Brown has one of 30 of these jobs by title, and it pays well whatever his salary is, but it's a, a little bit of an unseemly feel if it winds up uh, going in that direction. Right. Oftentimes, a uh, manager's thinking, uh oh, I'm in trouble when a general manager gets hired who did not hire that manager. Obviously, there was no clamor uh, organizationally. Hey, replace Dusty Baker after winning the World Series. It's not as if Dana Brown was stuck with Dusty Baker, but when Dusty does retire, and I think it was a, a full on Dusty decision, but if he didn't make it himself, he was going to be told, hey, you can jump happily into managerial retirement. Or we can give you a little push if that's what it's going to take. Fortunately, it didn't come to that. I mean, Dusty deserved the dignity, the honor to, to go out the way that that he did. Um, but if Dana Brown is wallpaper as they're uh, shopping for managers, that would be uh, the kind of thing that would uh, cause some tittering uh, around Major League Baseball. Of course, the Astros can just say, how many of the last seven league championship series have you played in? Overall, we know what we're doing in decision-making. But no one's infallible. No one has a 100% track record in personnel hires or managerial hires or general managerial hires. 
uh, all of the above. Um, but and Brad Osmond is a sharp guy. I'm sure there are plenty of dumb guys who come out of Ivy League schools who were, you know, legacy students and that. But, uh, you know, Osmus, he was Maldi way before Maldi, a tremendous catcher who couldn't hit worth a damn. But, man, could he call a game and uh, cut down the running game. And, you know, he was the brains of the operation on the field. And also just a real good guy, uh, Brad Osmus. So from that standpoint, you know, I'd be fine with the hire. Uh, but the process, mm, if he was to wind up the guy. And I think just considering the general negativity around him, I, I do wonder if that decision wouldn't be seen as tone deaf, you know, kind of the way you guys are talking about the optics of the search and what, how that would appear. I, I do wonder if it'd be tone deaf. Charlie, I think to your point is beyond just the qualifications, I do think that uh, it, it almost put Brad in an unfair position where he's behind the eight ball right out of the gate. Some fans will just never give him a fair shake, regardless of what the outcome is. You talked about Brad Osmus not really distinguishing himself in previous roles, neither at AJ Hinch. You know, AJ Hinch came, inherited a team that that started winning. And so it made his appearance of a decision maker that much better because of the performance of the team. A lot of people downplayed Dusty's role when he came to Houston because he just walked into a winner. So maybe his decisions day in, day out weren't as important. You know, the team didn't fire their manager because he wasn't a winner. The team fired AJ because of the scandal. But now the team's in a different place. There is a little bit more of a question regarding the, the future of this team and kind of the talent on the field. So how important is it now that Jim Crane, Bagwell, and Dana Brown get it right? Yeah, look, I mean, the most important part of all this is your roster. It's about talent first, and the Astros still have a good team, but they don't have a great team anymore. They don't have a great roster anymore. This is not the squad that Dusty Baker took over in 2020, and everything was so funky in the short COVID season, right? The Astros were 29 and 31 before winning a couple of playoff series. But then when things got back to normal, if you will, the Astros got back to being great, right? 2020, all they'd lost was Garrett Cole. Since then, prime Correa. Prime Springer. Uh, Altuve had another magnificent season, but also missed uh, about a third of it to injury. He turns 34 um, in May. Obviously, uh, Michael Brantley's immaterial now. So they're in a little bit different phase. So to me, and, and you know, if Osmus was to get the job, this is what you signed up for, buddy. And, and if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. If people are always going to be thinking, well, he got the job because he's buds with Bagwell. Um, but same thing with A.J. Hinch, those who'd like to go back to the future. I'd have no interest in bringing back A.J. Hinch, who I think did a wonderful job here, was a good manager, if you want to set aside pitching decisions, Game 7 against the Nationals, but did a fine job. Uh, I thought uh, A.J. Hinch was just brilliant as a human being in the aftermath of Harvey as a voice for the Astros and for the city. And then uh, the whole uh, Brandon Taubman episode, I thought Hinch was the biggest grown-up in the organization and what he had to say to that in, in a press conference. Uh, and then he turned out to be kind of Fredo of the Corleones and the whole cheating thing, separate matter. But uh, you don't want A.J. Hinch back, even if he could get out of the Detroit contract, which apparently has two years left. If he went to them and had permission, I wouldn't want to talk to A.J. Hinch because you hire A.J. Hinch if he's God's gift to tactics and you think he's the anti-Dusty Baker. Well, every series you play, you're bringing back the scandal again. Well, AJ, what's different about managing the team this time? And players would be asking, is AJ different back then? Uh, has he broken any TVs in the hallway? Uh, why would you want to go down that path? You know, if everything was the same about the roster and you thought it was like uh, 
what was it the, the last episode of Dallas? Talk about a dated reference when Victoria Principal, hang on, genuflecting, genuflecting. Victoria Principal woke up and an entire season was a dream and 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 Bobby Ewing had not died or whatever it was. Okay, God, did I stray on this? No, it's not like you hit a four-year pause button, you bring back AJ and you pick up right where you left off. So now let him continue to build with the Tigers and if he gets back in the playoffs with them, great. Uh, but the Astros... From within or without, they need a new manager who hasn't had the job before. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't think turning back the clock and going back to AJ is the plan either. But and who knows? Osmus could turn out to be a great manager. We don't know. I don't have a, a fortune telling crystal ball here. But it just does. It makes me think that this team is going to be built and run by Bagwell and Osmus texting back and forth to each other. Like to me, that's that that's how this team is going to be built and what the future will look like if this comes to fruition here. And that it just worries me a little bit because, you know, I know this is old, but all the stuff in the offseason, none of it really worked out. Michael Brantley, Montero might be the worst of all the deals. Abreu, I know he came he came on in the place the postseason a little towards the end of the regular year, but still terrible contract. This this is what happens when the Jeff Bagwells kind of get their way, at least allegedly, that's what we've been hearing. So that worries me that it's just going to be him kicking around those bad ideas to Osmus, and it's going to be those guys making these decisions instead of the numbered nerds, which got us here. I guess if I'm playing devil's advocate, Jim Crane pushed for the Justin Verlander deal. Jim Crane pushed for the Zach Grinke trade. Jim Crane finalized the deal which brought Justin Verlander back. So when we talk about Jim Crane's legacy on this team, he has been behind some of the major moves that have put this team over the top. So I think we do need to kind of you know bear that in mind when we're talking about his influence in the decision-making here, because outside of this past offseason, which they didn't have a general manager place, I think Jim Crane's influence on this team has generally been looked at as a positive. That being said, when Dusty Baker was brought in, Dusty Baker is an established Hall of Famer, and he was going to manage his way. Do we think that they're going to bring a guy in who's going to be influenced or allow influence from the front office to happen? Or do you think they'll put someone in place that will have that sort of, uh, I don't know, cachet to be able to butt up against the front office? And I guess maybe would that even be a positive is to have someone who bumps heads with the front office? Yeah. You know, whether bumping heads is too strong to be healthy over any period of time, I do want contrarian viewpoint. If everyone's marching in lockstep, whatever you say, boss, whatever you say, boss, uh, that's not always going to work out. Um, you know, if, if it is a, a little a Bagwell crane access that has veered a little less analytically uh, from Luno, you know, they built this dynastic run on the back of that. And, you know, the nouveau reach teams, the Baltimore Orioles, Mike Elias, Sigmedal, branches of the Jeff Luno tree. Uh, so other than it's not how you want to play with a toy, why would you want to sever those philosophical branches? Um, right, Bagwell with the quote a year or two ago that, uh, man, the game's played by players, not by computers. Well, of course, but uh, the players can't always analyze the game well and know what works well. There's a long history of failed players, great players as managers, as general managers. Players, hey, I I just play, right? I don't think I play. 
Well, the thinking part of the game does matter, and it largely built the Astros into what they've been for the better part of a decade. I don't want to have that wadded up and thrown out. And, you know, I don't think the walls are coming tumbling down, whoever they hire as manager. But if you are Joe Espada, and maybe Omar Lopez as well, and you bring in Brad Ausmus, or maybe even if you were able to and brought back A.J. Hinch, what are you thinking? If if I'm Joe Espada, I'd be thinking, yeah, I, I probably had enough here. Uh, maybe even if there isn't another managerial job uh, available to him now uh, elsewhere, which, uh, as I mentioned, Joe Espada, I mean, I'm not flat out endorsing him for the job above everyone else, but in terms of someone who hasn't been a big league manager, what more dues would you want paid? And if you want some organizational continuity, it's different being the bench coach as opposed to being the manager. You know, it's not quite teacher, substitute teacher. Uh, but that he is very well regarded in the clubhouse. I don't think that fosters him being run over by the players any more than, well, now I'm the manager. You loved me before. Now I'm a tyrant. Um, But Espada worked under Hinch, worked under Baker, time in multiple organizations before that, and by the way, uh, would work uh, relatively cheap as a big league manager goes as a a first-timer in the job. Uh, so I guess I will give a direct endorsement relative to Hinch or Osmus. I'd much rather see Joe Espada get the opportunity, and not that either AJ or Osmus are old guys, but uh, Joe Espada, uh, you know, youngish, um, multilingual and Hispanic in this market. What's not to like? Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Espada. I love what he did there when uh, after Dusty got thrown out, assuming that was him in Game Five uh, with the pinch hitting that he did, and that really worked out for the Astros, helped him come back and win that game. But I look at it, I think what's scary as an Astros fan is just you saw Click lose a power battle to Dusty Baker, basically, and if we assume that Bagwell and Osmus are, are kind of buddies, and Osmus gets that job and We've heard it reported that Crane listens to Bagwell more than anybody. So it makes you wonder, is Dana Brown already below Osmus as the GM and running this thing? If we've already seen the field manager get more power and we've also seen people lose, you know, uh, or them lose some people with Bill Ferkus out who had been there since Luno was around as one of the assistant GMs. their farm uh, was Sarah Goodrum. They, they moved on from her when she was running the Astros farm. System. So we're seeing a lot of people, a lot of people leaving. And if more people are coming in that feel more like for lack of a better word, Jeff Bagwell's buddies, th- that's a concern to me. But Joe Espada, I-, I think would be a good fit. But I mean, there's probably a reason he's been interviewed by what six different clubs and, and never gotten the gig. Maybe there's something there that, that we're not seeing, you know, only those guys in those those meetings are going to know. They're going to have those those interviews. They're going to talk to these guys. They're going to dig up everything on them. I just hope that, that Dana Brown's a part of this, or, or else why did you hire this guy? Well, and and on Bagwell, uh, if he is to push hard for Osmus to get the job, okay. But they just let $12 million on fire, basically, bringing back Michael Brantley for last season. As long as Bags doesn't say, you know, let's also bring back my other best buddy from that era of Astros baseball. Maybe Moise Salou has something a little left to play left field. That's where I'd have to draw the line. 
Do you guys see any wild cards and who might those be? Is it Could we see, you know, maybe a veteran that's in the vein of Dusty, maybe like a Buck Showalter, Joe Girardi, or do you think they're going to go younger, less experienced for this role? Yeah, well, I, I guess they'd be wild cards because you wouldn't foresee it coming, but you gave a couple of names. Uh, I'm no on Showalter. I think he's been a, a fine manager and everywhere he's gone, they've gotten better before he wound up wearing out his welcome. You know, they won 101 games with the Mets last year. I don't think Buck Showalter is why the Mets whole season uh, caved in, in 2023. But, you know, I think with a generally veteran roster, Showalter is just not the right fit. Uh, Girardi, to me, is just not a real good manager. You know, want to question Dusty Baker tactically. Uh, Girardi, for another catcher who thought the game, knew the game, that guy was uh, robotic to a, a grave fault sometimes with his bullhen, uh, bullpen decisions. Um, you know, a, a wild card who I'd go, oh, my goodness. Uh, Craig Council, who probably is considered one of the three or four best managers in the game. He's a managerial free agent. I mean, he's a Wisconsin guy. All these years with the Milwaukee Brewers, but he also would like to get paid. And if he has a chance to set a new market for himself, but also for managers, I'd be stunned if Jim Crane said, okay, if that new market's $6 million per year for my manager, I'm in on Craig Council. Uh, so that would really shock me. I mean, you want a wild card of wild cards. Martin Maldonado wanted a segue from, hey, I know I wouldn't be in the lineup. I'm not saying player manager. Uh, but the wildest of wild cards, just to throw one out there, not believing there's a snowball's chance, except I guess there's always a snowball's chance, uh, right? Beltran was going to manage the Mets. Uh, at, uh, uh, Maldonado, if he wanted an interview, I bet you he'd get that. Yeah, I bet he would. I, Chandler Rowe makes a good point. Crane typically doesn't promote from within. He usually looks outside the organization for these things, uh, you know, all of Dana Brown, Dusty Baker. He likes big names. We know he likes big names from the Yankees with Reggie Jackson being part of this baseball men group. So big names, Yankees, Don Mattingly, I wouldn't be necessarily interested, but he's a big name. He's a former Yankee. That could be somebody that, that Chandler Rome listed. He put out an article in The Athletic with a bunch of different possible candidates. Uh, Mattingly is on the list among some other guys. So, you know, maybe he just wants a big name, something like that. But, you know, for me, I, I, that's probably not where I'd be looking. And to, to throw one other name that's at least been put in the stew, uh, Jeff Bannister, Lamarck High School, University of Houston, was manager of the Texas Rangers, which some would think, hey, he got fired there. What do I want sloppy seconds from the Rangers? Well, uh, currently uh, working in the World Series as the Arizona Diamondbacks bench coach and Tori Lovello, their managers given Bannister a lot of credit for helping reshape the culture. So uh, there would be some, you know, logical principles to certainly at least interviewing Bannister. Uh, my first thought was, nah, I, you know, how would it sell with Astros fans, a guy who the Rangers dumped not all that long ago? But I hedged myself on that, that, you know, and, oh, I never trade with a team in my division. Well, if it's the best trade for my team, I'm not worried about whether it's the team in my division because I'm expected to win the trade and be better for it. So if I deem Jeff Bannister the best candidate for the job, and then you throw in the hometown angle, not hiring the guy because of the hometown angle, but I guess it would be a, a little bonus if you if you went that route. But a, a name who, again, is probably at least interview worthy. Just for the sake of wild cards, I'll throw out a name. Brent Strom. We think of him as a pitching coach. Pitching is a big need for this team right now. And uh, someone who has experience managing this staff and kind of knows the ins and outs of it. I wouldn't expect it, 
But if we're talking wild cards, that would be my choice for a wild card. And now back to the show. So guys, now that Dusty Baker is, is officially left the Houston Astros, we're looking forward to who the next manager will be. I wanted to take a look back on Dusty's time here, especially the comments he went out on. Uh, I do think that Dusty, when it's all said and done, is going to be looked at as one of the Astros' best managers ever just because of the results. And given the situation that he walked in on, I think he was probably the perfect choice. But I do want to address, since we haven't had a chance yet to address Dusty Baker's comments in his final press conference, he said that he knew it was his time uh, that this would be his final year here after some articles that were written about him. I assume that means the articles from Chandler Rome. And he also said that uh, he felt that sometimes the media was unfair to him here. I got to say, I'm not surprised necessarily that Dusty Baker would have some thoughts on the coverage here. I am surprised that a guy who's a first ballot Hall of Famer, a guy who's a lifetime baseball guy, who's been around media criticism his whole career, he's no stranger to it. Are you guys as surprised to hear that he made comments on that on his way out? Yeah, my reaction is a, a little bit similar to yours. To admit it, if nothing else, uh, that you have rabbit ears how often have we heard from players, maybe less so from coaches, managers? Uh, I don't, back when there were newspapers, everybody, I don't read the papers. You know, I don't listen to podcasts or the radio. I'm immune to all that kind of stuff. Well, most of them aren't. They're human. No one likes to hear downgrading thoughts about oneself. I'm sure none of us do, even if it's meant as constructive criticism, which obviously in the media circus and in the online world, it's not always meant as constructive criticism. Uh, but to say that, uh, it did make me wonder and some back and forth with uh, a handful of other people that I've had. It does make you wonder if it factored into some of Dusty's decision making, that there was the occasional, hey, you know, F you particular writer or anyone else suggesting I manage this way or that, yeah. Like, I give you any credence at all that you might be right about the Yiner Diaz, Martin Maldonado playing time break, or I'm not going to play Chaz McCormick every day yet because I don't have to because I'm the manager. Um, and if so, that was a little bit derelict of duty. Uh, but in the overall, you hit it. Uh, four years, four league championship series, two World Series appearances, one World Series victory. Now, it may well be truth that a whole bunch of managers could have accomplished the same, right? The Astros had loaded teams. Did the Astros win the 2022 World Series because of Dusty Baker? They certainly did not. Did they win the 2022 World Series flat out in spite of Dusty Baker? I would say they certainly did not. They won it with Dusty Baker. And Dusty has the resume, right? You can go to the record books, the archives, the scoreboard, and it's it's in there. So um, I put in the column last week when when Jerry Jones – uh, probably uh, uh, at least a sheet and a half to the wind at the time after the Cowboys had won their second straight Super Bowl in the early 90s. Uh, 500 coaches could have won with the roster we had, you know, which was a shot at Jimmy Johnson. And less than a month later, Jimmy Johnson's out as the, the head coach of the Cowboys, basically bleep you, Jerry Jones. Um, so, you know, that 500 managers could have gone to the last four league championship series with Dusty Baker. Uh, many could have. 500 seems ambitious. But we know this, Dusty Baker did go to those championship series and the World Series and won the World Series. Of course, A.J. Hinch, the three before that. 
had been to two World Series and won one. Uh, more than anything else, it's a testimony to the roster, the roster construction, and the players that they did all they did with both managers. Um, but that Dusty was uh, a little bit red-assed on the way out. Yeah, it uh, it did surprise me, at least his openness. And, and I applaud his openness. If that's what he felt, that's what he felt. Sure. I mean, he's listening. He's paying attention. Some of these guys don't go read all these internet blogs or whatever, but they will have somebody that works for them, let them know what's being talked about them out there. And that could be the case, you know, for Dusty as well. I think part of it too is when you're being second guessed and criticized and maybe if it's not going great, it's, it's not as fun anymore, right? I mean, they, they kind of cruised last year and they didn't lose a game in the postseason until the World Series. There wasn't a lot of negativity out there for obvious reasons. But I think for Dusty, it's, I just won you guys a championship. I don't get the benefit of the doubt. We're a few months down the line into the next season and, and every decision I'm making is being second guessed and I'm told I don't know what I'm doing or I'm too old. I'm, I'm sure that did rub him the wrong way, especially coming off what they just accomplished. It's, it's a different world now. It's a different media cycle. Just because you won the World Series last year doesn't mean people are going to give you kids gloves the whole next season. That, that's just not how it works anymore. So maybe that disappointed him and it was kind of a reality like this is going to continue if I keep managing. And it wasn't I don't think it was an option. His contract was up. The Astros didn't offer him another year. So they just, you know, parted ways. And, and that was that. So. I think it's part of it, but some of that stuff should be questioned. You know, the things that he was doing it, the fact that they moved Kyle Tucker down in the lineup during the postseason because he's struggling, but Abreu was bad the whole regular season for the most part. And you hit him fourth or fifth and never moved him out of there. It's just, you know, something Brandon and I talked about, like you're going to do that to Tucker who, you know, was arguably your best hitter all season, but with Abreu who, hadn't proven anything to you at that point he'd never won a world series with you he was new to the team to give him that much respect and never move him but the first sign of panic with tucker he goes down in the lineup i you know brandon and i both talked about it. we found that kind of curious so there are some things that dusty does that you know people aren't going to agree with and you know he's getting to that age where he's just like if it's not fun anymore and i don't think i'm being treated the way i want to be treated then i'm just not going to do it i'm going to take my ball and go home and and that's fine. He has every right to do that. I could understand what he's accomplished and all the second guessing he had to deal with. Uh, I think, and look, the press conference was foremost a celebration. Dusty announcing his retirement as a manager wants to keep a foot in the game in some capacity, wherever that may be. But I think an interesting follow-up, you know, if the if Pandora's box had been opened and after Dusty said, yeah, I think sometimes I was treated unfairly, second guessed basically, uh, Dusty, what was your specific reaction to when your general manager publicly on more than one occasion had the temerity to question your strategy or decision making? Is, is that different? Did that, you know, chap your hide? Um, I'd have been curious to hear the answer about that if it would have been measured, watered down, muted, or, okay, that box is open. Now let's really air it out. Josh, you talked about the news cycle being different. I, I, I think it's just when we're talking about Dusty Baker and him being a lifelong baseball guy and him being subject to criticism his entire career, like we talk about the news cycle changing. How about just news platforms changing? It's not just media, it's social media. So it's the criticisms are even that much more amplified given that everyone with a voice is platformed now. And I think it's not just about admitting that he heard the criticisms that surprises me. It's about 
admitting that it influenced his decision. Now, whether or not that's the truth or not, I'm not real sure. And if we're talking about it being Chandler's coverage of Dusty's lineups, I wonder how much of it was the fact that his guys were talking to the media, because it seemed like specifically in the, in the Chaz McCormick situation, Chandler Rome cited four separate sources within the organization that were talking about Dusty's use or his concern about his weight. I, I do wonder how much of this was the fact that Dusty kind of saw that as a slight. You know, you talked about Dana Brown mentioning things outwardly towards the media. The fact that your players and, and perhaps coaches were going to Chandler as well and talking about why Chaz was not in a, in a favorable eye with Dusty Baker. What do you guys think about that? Uh, fair to wonder. I mean, look, if I was the manager, that kind of stuff would irritate me, but how much of it do you just flick off your shoulders? In the end, I'm the manager, you're a writer, podcaster, a commentator, and you are entitled to your opinion. I'd like to think that yours isn't pulled out of your backside. Different people you'll have different respect for because of tenure, your personal involvement, uh, with them professionally. Um, but in the end, if it is impacting any of your decision-making, you know, that's where, do you have the self-awareness to, to acknowledge that? Uh, or, you know, are you, are you spitting into the wind on it? Or here's the line in the sand that I'm drawing. Um, if I was dusty, you know, even Dana Brown's criticism was on, I'd be furious if my general manager ostensibly is calling me out publicly my general manager right keep that stuff inside the clubhouse or inside the the front office and we're going to hash it out and talk it out and there's room for disagreement and then in the end as the field manager i'll decide what the what the lineup is um that uh i as, as i said I, i'd have been furious if, if i was the manager um but big boy pants and all that and dusty 74 years old and a made man and, and in the end he had a fabulous four-year tenure and all the rest of it will just vanish into the ether I just don't think those guys were on the same page that much throughout the year, Dusty and Dana. And it, it really proved it to me when he was on the flagship talking about if Michael Brantley would be moved up to hit second in the postseason here. And Dana Brown was like, no, no way. They're going to keep him down around fifth or sixth. And, and that's that's where they're going to use him. And, and then the, the, that very day, <laughs> Michael Brantley was penciled in to hit second. So it's just it doesn't seem like these guys are, are really talking about this stuff and really in agreement on a lot of these things where Dusty's talking about, I'm waking up from dreams and my lineup changing. This doesn't sound like a, you know, an effort where people are collaborating together. It sounds like that was Dusty's call. And if he had a weird feeling about a lineup or some dream, whatever Dana Brown had to say about it, he didn't really care. And, and that's okay, but it just shows you, like, it doesn't feel like this was really a, a team effort as much when it comes to setting lineups and, and doing the manager stuff. And Dusty didn't sound like he wanted any input on that. Yeah, so there was some discord, but we're not trying to paint any sort of picture of overall dysfunction and, and how did the Astros not unravel completely. You know, what ultimately did them in from another World Series appearance, seven-game series with the Rangers, they got one quality start. And they lost it. Verlander in game one. Uh, Javier gave them a good start in game three, but the definition, he didn't make it through six innings, so it's not a quality start. And all the rest of them were stinky. Uh, so, you know, other than a specific decision here, a specific decision there, comes down to the player performance. And the Astros collectively, their players were not as good as they've been in over any of the uh, the five prior full seasons. 
And even the roster in 2020 was still loaded. It's just the, the results there over 60 games uh, were not there. Um, so Dusty can leave proud and honorable. You know, there may be little things that you'd say, well, he could apologize for that or tactically he was wrong with that. But, but overall, it was uh, uh, quite a final chapter to his managerial career. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. Another episode of Stone Cold Strows is in the books. Easy for me to say. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. Charlie, Josh, and I, we're going to keep an eye on the managerial search, free agency, and as news breaks, we'll put out some more podcasts. But you don't have to wait that long to get your Houston Sports Fix. All you have to do is subscribe to Sports Map Houston and Sports Map Texans on YouTube. John Granado, Lance Zerline, Josh Jordan will have you covered there. And thanks to Jack Brain for producing. Thanks to everyone for listening. And until next time, Go Strohs.